Well, welcome to How Leaders Lead, where every week you get to listen in while I interview some of the best leaders in the world. I break down the key learnings so that by the end of the episode, you'll have something simple you can apply as you develop into a better leader. That's what this podcast is all about. And today, this is going to be a unique and special episode. I'm going to walk you through one of my annual rituals, something that I do every year about this time. It's called my 3x5 exercise. And then, after we go through the 3x5 exercise, I'll share a handful of clips from my favorite episodes from 2021. You know, it's been an incredible year on the podcast, and I thought this would be a fun way to wrap things up before we get into 2022. Before I take you through my 3x5 exercise, let me tell you how I got it. When I was about 27, 28 years old, I had a major responsibility. I was the management supervisor on the Frito-Lay account, and everybody I was working with was 40 years old. So my coach thought that I needed to learn how to be more mature. So he sent me to this guy named Jack Byram. Now, Jack Byram was an image consultant for a lot of big-name people. Johnny Carson, Merv Griffin, these were big commentators at the time, comedians at the time. And he had worked with every CEO at PepsiCo and many other different CEOs. So I went to Jack to to really learn how to, to be more mature as a leader. And one of the things he made me do at the very beginning, he says, David, I want you to do a three by five exercise. And I said, well, what's that? He said, well, I want you to think about who you are today and how you can be even better in the future. Well, that was very powerful for me, and now I do it at the beginning of each year. So I'm going to share with you my 2022 3x5 card. First of all, what am I today? Well, I'm extremely passionate. Well, how can I be better? Well, I've got to realize that I'm very passionate, very enthusiastic, and that passion and enthusiasm can overwhelm people. So I have to temper my passion and make sure that people really can contribute everything they can to me and making our team better. The other thing is that I'm a pretty good podcaster. I really love doing this, but I've realized that I've got to provide more insight in every podcast so that you can learn more from the guests that we bring into play and provides some of my personal experiences that bring relevance to the message. Today, I'm a heartfelt giver. I I love to give, and I'm very focused on things that I'm passionate about. You know, diabetes, my wife's a diabetic, uh, feeding the hungry, veteran support, early childhood education, and leadership itself. And so I'm very focused on that, but I've realized that, you know what, that's really important, but I need to be more spontaneous as I go forward. When I see people who need help, I just need to do it when I see them and help them out in the best possible way that I can be. Today, I'm a loving family man. How can I be better tomorrow? Well, I need to really stay positive with my wife, Wendy, as she works through a lot of her health struggles. Uh, We got a lot of things going on right now, and I got to be the person that lifts her up every day. And then today, I'm in good shape. I'm really proud to say it. I'm I'm healthy. I'm physically strong. So what I have to do to be even better is I got to keep after it. I got to keep executing, and I got to keep making sure that I'm focused on keeping my weight around 210 to 215. And last but not least, I get a lot of joy by being an avid golfer. 
What I want to do going forward is I want to work on the human skills of the game and enjoy the game more. You know, I focus so much on the technical skills and mastering the game that I forget a lot of time just to have fun and how to manage my emotions as I go throughout my round of golf. So that's my three by five exercise. Let me tell you something. When you do this, it forces you to get self-awareness. It forces you to think about where you are today. And it also forces you to like take action on the things that can make you better or keep those things top of mind. And guess what I do with my three by five card? I put it on my refrigerator. I look at it every day. I never forget what I'm supposed to be focused on as I go throughout the year. So grab a three by five card. Think about the five categories that are most important for you. Write down who you are today in each one of those categories and then how you can be even better as you go forward. I guarantee you this will give you the self-reflection you need and an action plan you need that'll help you make 2022 the best year it can possibly be. All right, it's time for me to play for you some of my favorite clips from this year's episode. And as you're reflecting on the past year and making plans for how to improve as a leader in the coming year, the insights you'll get in the next 15 to 20 minutes will really help you. To kick us off, we're going to hear from the GOAT, the greatest of all time, Tom Brady, quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So this is from episode 53. What Tom is about to give you is a simple framework for communications. Apply this with your team because I think it's just brilliant. So here's Tom Brady with episode 53. Tom, you have a process that you use for going one-on-one -on -one with a new teammate? I think a lot of it's listening. I've said this in my personal life, but also in my professional life, CCC, clear current communication and why that's so important. You know, really being clear, not, you know, man, I'm going to say something and see if they can figure it out or I'm going to try to dance around a topic and then current. You know, what's happening in the moment, not, hey, this thing happened two months ago and it's really bothered me. It's no, hey, this is the situation we're currently dealing with. And you got to communicate. And so many people don't want to communicate. You know, so many people want to, you know, just keep to themselves, silo their conversations, deal with people that only are going to agree with them. And I believe in, you know, CCC, hey, be really clear about what it is and let's be really current about what we're talking about and let's talk. And I think if we work on those things, then, you know, I don't want to have to guess all the time what you're thinking. You know, we can't solve problems if you're thinking one thing or I'm thinking another. Or I really find it difficult for people who create expectations without telling the other person. You know, this is what I was expecting them to do, but they never did it. I'm like, well, did you ever tell them? Well, no. Why? I mean, they should know. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, get that out of here. I don't want to hear that. You know, now I can hold you accountable if I told you, hey, do this, or I'm expecting this to happen, a particular uh, situation. If you don't do that situation or what I've said, we're going to have a talk. But if I don't ever tell you what I want, then how can I hold you accountable for that? So CCC is really important on a personal level, but it's certainly really important in a professional environment as well. Now, this next clip is for any of us that have ever felt overwhelmed. And who hasn't? What do we do when there is a lot riding on our shoulders? Niran Shadri, the CEO of Panera Bread, walks us through his process in episode 30. How'd you get up to speed on the business 
which is, as you just mentioned, it's very complex. You've got delivery online, e-commerce, huge supply chain. You've got company and franchise stores. And you even have baking, 24-hour baking in the store. So this is a very complex business. How did you go to school on what needed to be done? I was, you know, at times I f- it felt overwhelming, I have to be honest. Uh, uh, you know, I had this big sense of responsibility and accountability that this team deserves to win, this brand deserves to win, and we're not winning. And I just felt that, you know, I was just taking too long, even though I had just sort of joined the company and I needed to get up to speed fast. So I think some core principles. One, I think whenever I'm feeling sort of overwhelmed, I say, okay, let me focus on what I have control over and not on what's happening to me. That's the first thing. Secondly is, let me really have the curiosity to learn and to really listen because the problems are out there, but even the solutions are out there. If you go to the 140,000 associates and the franchise partners we have, they know what needs to be done. One just has to listen and join the dots. So this kind of curiosity to learn. At the same time, I think having the audacity to dream, reminding everybody that let's not get bogged down by the current reality. Let's kind of dream of what this might look like when we get to the other side. And finally, having the courage to act, like recognizing that what worked in the past may not work now. So one may have to make very tough, courageous decisions on the team, on the structure, on the capability, on the culture, indeed drive a transformation so that we can uh, take the brand and the business to where it uh, needs to go. Well, I think we'd all agree winning at work can't come at the expense of your personal life going to shambles. And what I appreciate so much about my friend Indra Nui, the former chairman and CEO of PepsiCo, is how she prioritized both. She not only ran a successful business, she kept her family life strong as well. Here's a little insight into how she was able to pull that off from episode 56. When you both had young children, I mean, did you feel the pressure to do it all? Of course, all the time. But because I had Raj and we sort of divvied up all our responsibilities equally, Ashley, we would sit down with our calendars and plan out the next three months, six months, which family member are we going to import from India on a vacation for three months to help us out and then go back. Those days, it was very tough to get visas and all that stuff. So we sit down and plan these days and months and years very, very carefully. And if at any point in time, both of us were... Uh, not going to be home or one of us was not going to be home because we made a commitment that one of us will always be home every night. And if at any point both of us were going to be away, we made sure that a family member was at home. It required a lot of planning, a lot of planning. And because we couldn't talk to the kids face to face, it had to be through landline telephones those days, if you even know what it is. Um, <laughs> I do. I you know, do. <laughs> you had to, you do. We had to plan life very, very differently, very differently. And, um, you know, somehow it all worked out. But my hope is that this next generation doesn't have to struggle as much. So I think my own commitment to my kids is I know what I went through. I know everybody wants. I want grandkids. You want kids. So whenever you choose to get married and have kids, we have to make life easy for you, not go through what we went through. It's interesting. You know, when we got married, uh, Wendy told me we'd never have children because she was a diabetic and she didn't think it was possible. Uh-huh. She's a type one diabetic. But after nine years, she said, David, I want to have a baby. I said, well, you can't. And, and she says, oh, I've been to the doctors and we think we can give it a try. So she, you know, she got pregnant and, and, uh, 
you know, after six months, she was like bed rest. Um, and oh, at that God, point in time, I had to take over a lot of things in the household. And for the, I think that was when it really hit me. My gosh, she's been working as a sales representative for a television station, doing a great job, picking up the laundry, picking up the, you know, the groceries, doing the bulk of all the stuff that really ran the, the household. And now all of a sudden I was doing all of that. And it really opened my eyes up to, to just what a working mother has to, has to go through uh, and, you know, all the stuff she was doing. And I think from that point on, I became a heck of a lot better because I was more empathetic with everything that she was going through. And, uh, you know, I, I always really counsel everybody to make sure that you divide the responsibilities and that, you know, uh, the tasks uh, are not male and female. They're family tasks that need to be shared. I think that's a very important line, David. I think when we start talking about kids and all that stuff, we've got to make sure people realize it's family, not female. Very important line. Um, and I have to tell you, there was one time in my life early on where I took 10 days off and I said, I'm just going to stay home, not work, and see what it's like to be uh, you know, a mother at home full time. In two days, I was exhausted, <laughs> exhausted. There's so much work and you're on all the time. And there's no break. You know, you find things to do, clean the house, organize this, organize that. You're driving all the time. You're the driver. You're the organizer. You're the cook, the cleaner. You're everything. So I think we all owe a debt of gratitude to mothers at home, especially mothers who don't work outside the house. And they don't have a break from work. We really owe them a debt of gratitude. And Couldn't so agree more. You're right, David. Yeah, yeah You're right. I fully agree with what you're saying. Now, if you want to have others follow you, you have to have confidence. People will only go where you want them to go if they believe you can lead them there. Here's a clip from episode 33 where Kara Golden, the founder and CEO of Hintwater, walks us through how we can build confidence as leaders by overcoming our fears. You seem so confident externally in the way how you communicate. Uh, have you always been this way, Kara? Have you always been confident? And what advice could you give others on how to build their confidence? I think that challenging yourself and and exactly what I was saying, that trying to really surround yourself with people that may think a little bit differently than you is, is something where you start to learn about yourself and about things, again, putting yourself into situations where maybe you're a little fearful of them and then really celebrating those things that you got through those things. I have a fear of heights. I've had it my whole life. And and finally, I woke up shortly after starting Hint and I just said, I don't want to live with fear anymore, ever. Like, I want to figure out those things that I'm really afraid of and I'm going to I'm going to tackle them. And I decided to climb the Grand Canyon, which many of my friends and my family said, that's crazy. I can't believe you would actually go do that. Do you know how, how big it is and how scary it is? And, and again, I figured out a strategy to actually go do it. And when I was climbing out of there, I ran into other issues that were pretty crazy and pretty scary. But at that moment, I started to look at what I had accomplished. And it was a mindset. It automatically really helped me to kind of get through this next challenge that was in front of me. And I would say that even during the time of, you know, the pandemic, if people have said, you're, you're kind of zen about this whole time. And I said, I've been through a lot. 
right? I've watched 2008, 2009. I can tell you the things that I didn't do exactly right, but I'm here to weather storms. I'm not backing down. I'm not freezing. I'm just continuing to figure out how to move forward. Do you want to know what it takes to be the best in the world at something? If so, you're about to get a little glimpse as we hear from Andy Roddick, formerly the number one tennis player in the world. His episode was all about how to lead with mental strength, and this clip offers a simple tip to keep you focused on what's in front of you. This is from episode 49 with Andy Roddick. Andy, you were well known for saving countless match points, and you even played the longest match in history, 77 games versus Federer at Wimbledon. Uh, were you born with this mental toughness, or did you actually work on it? No, I think it was just trying to get through one point, uh, try not to vomit before the next one, and then just be on with it. And I just repeated that for about 13 or 14 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, how do you not vomit, though? I mean, seriously, what did you do? Did you have anything that you I, did I, that made you tough? Yeah. Uh, so, again, I, I, I can't give enough credit to preparation, but... Uh, actually being in the moment, I was big into rituals. So I used to get made fun of in the locker room because I'd always go to the towel. I would do the thing. I'd, I, I kind of would repeat the same process. And for me, it was a, it was a nice reset. You know, you do something great. Crowd goes crazy. Maybe you react. And then there's that moment of like reset. Okay. Back in the moment. And I think kind of having that reset button, whether it's, you know, in business and you have some ritual to kind of take it down a notch or reset to go back up. I, I think that's actually super, super important. Um, you know, I, I think there's value in, 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 in letting the mind play tricks on itself sometimes. Okay, it's drum roll time. I have one final clip for you and it's from Marvin Ellison, the CEO of Lowe's. A message we all need to hear in this coming year is what Marvin talks about in this clip. No one can beat you being you. Think about that. No one can beat you being you. Whatever challenges you'll face in 2022, know that your team needs you to show up as you and nobody else. You don't need to be anybody else. If you focus on being the best version of you that you can be, you're going to win. Here's a clip from episode 28 with Marvin Ellison. You know, Marvin, as you were coming up as a, you know, African-American executive, I'm sure you, many times you were the, the only black person in the, in the room. What's that like? And what can leaders learn from that? You can decide to, to stand out or, or blend in. So, you know, I'm, I'm in Memphis, Tennessee, and I get promoted to the corporate office in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I never worked in a corporate office before. And back then, you know, it was a, you know, shirt and tie, suit and tie corporate environment. And so I go up and, you know, and I'm kind of trying to transition into this new environment. And, and to your question, you know, during the 90s, during that time, there was virtually no diversity at the corporate office. There's no one that looks like me. There are very few people who had spent a lot of their career in the field uh, and there's nobody from the South. So I'm literally looking around and I believe and feel like I am the only person in that entire corporate environment that looks, uh, that thinks or has a background like me. And I remember about four months into this, I go home, my wife is, is pregnant. We're up there by ourselves, and she's asking me, 
how's it going at work? You appear a little stressed. And I said, well, you know, Sharon, uh, the job isn't that difficult from the technical perspective. I said, I, I know what I'm doing. I said, I just don't feel like I fit in. I said, I, I don't feel like culturally this is a place where I can be successful. And she looked at me and she said, well, let me give you some advice. Why don't you just try being yourself? Just relax and just be yourself and, and see how that works out. And David, I remember something that my dad had said to, to my siblings and I, it seems like a hundred times. And he would say, you know, we, we may not have the nicest car. We may not live in the nicest house. You may not wear the nicest clothes every day, but always remember no one can beat you being you. No one can beat you being you. So whenever you feel as though that you're not achieving the thing that you believe you deserve, just focus on being the best you that you can be. And, and I just give my dad credit for so many brilliant you know, points of wisdom that, that he gave uh, myself and my siblings. And, so, and, that rem and my wife reminded me of that teaching. So I decided, you know what? Let me be me. And so, you know, I had changed the way I dressed, you know, because most of the white guys were wearing khaki pants and penny loafers. And, you know, and I had converted to fit. I wanted to fit in. But what I realized is that by fitting in, I was actually working two jobs. I was working the job I was being paid to do. And then I was working a job being someone that I wasn't. And so I was doing double duty while everyone else was doing single duty. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to dress professional, but I'm going to dress the way I'm comfortable. So, yeah, I'd wear a shirt and a tie, but I would wear it in the style that I felt best fit my personality, my ethnicity, and my style. Uh, and, and I knew the feel. And so I decided to go up there. And when I sat in a meeting, if there was something that I felt didn't support the feel, I would raise that point, but I'd raise it uh, with facts, and I would raise it in a very constructive way. Uh, and then I felt like, you know what, I'm the only black person up here. Let me provide some diversity perspective to ensure we're making the right decisions for this consumer group. And so I would share thoughts, anecdotes, ideas about the black community and ways we could be more effective. And, and before I knew it, people were gravitating toward me. They wanted to know what I thought. They were inviting me to be a part of project groups and focus groups because I no longer showed up as a commodity. You know, when you are like everyone else, you are a commodity. You're commoditizing yourself. When I decided to stand out, people were attracted to that because they were interested in what I had to say because it was unique, it was refreshing, uh, and it was scarce. And, and I learned from that, you know, as a, as, a, as a black man in corporate America, as a black executive operating in a world that I don't have a lot of people that look like me, the best thing I can do is be the best possible, most authentic me that I can be in a way uh, that is, again, authentic, in, in a way that's progressive, but in a way uh, that is educational, that, that helps make the organization better by bringing my unique learnings, my unique life, and my unique perspective you know, to the conversation so it can hopefully allow us to make better decisions. That was a great lesson that I learned and I've never forgotten that lesson. All right, people, it's been an amazing year and we're dreaming up so many incredible guests and ways to help you develop into a better leader in 2022. I don't take it for granted that you spend every week learning right alongside me as we get to talk to these incredible leaders. I'm having a blast recording these and I hope you're having a blast listening to them. 
As we close out this final episode of 2021, I do want to take some time and give a special shout out to Cliff Hilton. Cliff has helped me build this podcast from day one, and he's listened to all the great leaders that I've interviewed, and it's inspired him, actually, to want to go out on his own and start his own business and make a difference for others, and I couldn't be more proud of him. We wouldn't be where we're at without Cliff, and I wish him all the best. Cliff, you will be missed. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of How Leaders Lead, where every Thursday you get to listen in while I interview some of the best leaders in the world. I make it a point to give you something simple on each episode that you can apply to your business so that you will become the best leader that you can be. Happy New Year, and I'll see you next week.